news, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 102 with Monisha Longeager of Student Bridge. Uh, so this is a great episode uh, learning about uh, Monisha's uh, unique journey into her role now uh, in education technology, uh, helping support institutions with digital enrollment solutions and uh, she just has some great insights and great thoughts that I think will really resonate with folks. Uh, so super excited for you uh, to get listening and hearing more about uh, what she has to say. But uh, before we get to that, I'm going to give a quick heads up. Uh, we just launched a super cool merch store uh, through TeePublic, uh, so you can get uh, logos for the blog and the podcast on a variety of different items. Um, love to hear what you think. Uh, please go there, uh, grab some stickers, notebooks, shirts, sweaters, anything that uh, uh, calls out to you. Uh, it's a great way to support the show, and we're hoping to build that out over time. We have some other cool logos that we're hosting on there as well, some other stuff that I think is cool. So um, that also does help support the show as well, so, uh, if you kind of get that through our storefront. So please do go check it out. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, give us your feedback. Uh, there is a link to the merch store in the description of this episode and also in the show notes uh, for this and all future episodes. Uh, we linked out to it on the blog as well. So uh, a lot of ways to go find it, but I uh, really appreciate uh, the support. And with all that being said, uh, after this brief message from our sponsor, this is bonus episode number 102 with Monisha Longacre. This episode is sponsored by Degree.me, a one-stop college research tool for students. If you work for a college or university, you'll want to learn all about their ability to connect you with the right students at a budget-friendly price. To find out more, please visit Degree.me slash H-E-G. Well, I'm so excited to talk with you, uh, Manisha, uh, to learn more about uh, your very robust uh, professional journey. I was kind of spying on your LinkedIn. You've done so many cool and interesting things. So just learning kind of about all that and what's brought you to your current work uh, with StudentBridge and learning more about what you and your team are doing there and uh, just talking about just all of the ongoing kind of complexities of higher ed uh, in 2020. So uh, we're going to get right to it. If you want to introduce yourself really quickly, um, give a brief overview of your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today. Great. Thank you so much, Dustin. I'm really glad to be here today with you. Um, I've been very fortunate and very blessed um, in my career journey. Um, I never kind of anticipated where it would take me, but it's taken me on some really interesting steps. Um, my educational experience and background was actually in communications, and um, I thought I was going to be a journalist and worked at the Daily Student newspaper um, at University of Virginia um, when I was a uh, as a fourth year there and we quickly realized that while journalism was really fun and intriguing and adrenaline pumping, it wasn't very conducive to a normal family life and normal hours. Um, so I quickly pivoted over towards corporate PR, got my uh, master's degree from Boston University in corporate public relations and was very fortunate to land my first job at Lotus Development in the early 90s where this thing called the internet came along mm. and um, really was at the kind of the forefront of the convergence of communications and technology and really thought to myself, wow, this is a really interesting place to be because I can see how it will change communications, not realizing at the time how dramatically it was going to change everything that we did. Um, so that kind of took my communications background and sent it on a technology uh, path. Um, I was a webmaster at Ernst & Young when the webmaster was a one person's job and you would create FT uh, HTML files and FTP them to a site. Um, but the mainstay of my career was at uh, the Weather Channel. I spent 13 years there. 
um, learned a lot and really got to see the evolution of the internet. I joined weather.com when it was a startup. We literally could enter a five digit zip code and you'd get a five day forecast and that was it. Uh-huh. And we built everything around it. So we built an interactive campus maps before Google's maps was what it was. Um, I had the fortunate uh, pleasure of building the first radar on your phone app. It was literally red dot, green dots going across a flip phone. Um, again, not realizing how quickly that would be something that everybody expected. Um, so after that, then I spent a couple of years on going kind of in the smaller businesses, having a little more oversight. I worked at Play On Sports, which was an interesting concept of basically providing a technology platform to high school students to allow them to stream their high school games and events online. It was a subscription business, spent a couple years there. And then I also went the entrepreneurial path and founded a couple businesses um, of my own. I had a productivity business. I launched an app called Priorigami um, that basically was like the Fitbit for productivity. And then also um, co-founded a company called Score, where we did online, on-demand tutoring for student athletes to help make sure that they were academically eligible for scholarships. Um, and that landed me here in, at StudentBridge. So I joined StudentBridge in February of this year. So you can only imagine what the onboarding process has been like. <laughs> we um, were literally in the office for two weeks um, until COVID kind of hit and changed our worlds in so many different ways, both personally just being remote and having to onboard with the team remotely, and then also professionally in terms of really having to step up and support um, colleges and universities as they grappled with um, camp closed campuses. Yeah, that's wild. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm very grateful for having um, a fully remote position before all this. And like, you know, one day to the next, it was, you know, pretty seamless. But especially if somebody was, yeah, like starting a new job, like, you know, uh, you know, yeah, two weeks is like, you know, you could meet some people in person and then you move around. It's maybe a little bit easier. But even still, yeah. it's such such little time. Um, so that's wild. But I, yeah, it's been interesting. You just kind of miss out on like the lunches or, you know, the happy hours, just the informal gathering um, just hasn't happened because, you know, we were all forced to work out of our homes. But pleasantly, we've been very productive. Um, everyone really adapted to the virtual learning environment really quickly. Um, and if we didn't miss a beat. So from that standpoint, you know, it was very encouraging. Good, good. Um, well, I guess good. Yeah, it's also good to hear kind of like, because I wasn't sure if it was just sort of like, a, you know, an epiphany or something, you know, like something that came to you in terms of just like making, you know, the transition to uh, student bridge, but it, it feels like you are kind of building towards it. And there's, you know, I can see now kind of the connective tissue uh, yeah. more clearly. It was, it really was a great opportunity to kind of take my experiences and apply them. But really, more importantly, um, I have a daughter who is a senior in college. Um, and she's applying to law school. So she's going through the admissions process again. And my son is a senior in high school. And so he's going through his admissions process. And to me, you know, as the parent going through this process, it's shocking to me how much is paper based, how much they're dependent on email. And, you know, and my son especially doesn't realize that the mail is a thing and that, you know, direct pieces are coming. I mean, he, he doesn't even has no awareness that that is a thing. Um, and literally when he goes into his email, if he doesn't know who it's from, he selects them all and deletes them all. And so it was really apparent to me that, and for him, especially if it's not on, you know, 
in a YouTube video, if it's not video and it's not um, engaging, they're missing the mark. So from a personal standpoint, I definitely saw the opportunity in that how ripe higher ed was for really um, making that digital transformation and reaching this next generation of kids where they spend time and it's not in the mailbox. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I guess, yeah, like that's like just interesting kind of like life context or just being able to like, cause I think, you know, for any sort of thing, sometimes, you know, it can be difficult for people to like, you're just going through a process and you're like, all right, well, this is just like how it is. But then like you like seeing your children go through like, wait a second, like that kind of seems all, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you're kind of like zoomed out a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely see the opportunity and the disconnect, right, is really kind of screaming at me saying, wow, there's got to be a better way to get to these kids. Um, well, that's just a perfect segue, I guess, then if you want to kind of give um, kind of contextual uh, explanation here of what Student Bridge does, because, you know, you're kind of leading into like, you know, this is this digital transformation that's happening in higher ed and, and so many different kind of work streams and functional areas and everything. But um, yeah, just kind of give a quick uh, explanation on what uh, Student Bridge does exactly. Absolutely. So Student Bridge was founded out of a rich media video production company that was kind of on the forefront of really um, developing interactive and engaging video concepts. And then they decided to focus specifically in the higher ed space. And the two flagship products were the Video Viewbook, which is kind of an engaging and authentic contained video experience um, where students can really get a sense and fit of the fit and the feel of the school you know, through videos of the campus or interviews with the students mm. or faculty. Um, and it's all video and it's all, you can navigate through it. So you're not just sitting there and watching hours and hours of content, but you can actually, can, you know, develop your own playlist and go through that. Um, and then the second one was our interactive campus maps. And it's not just a map like Google Maps, but we embed video and content so that it's kind of like almost like a guided tour of the campus. Um, so we were focused on those two things. But when COVID hit and the campuses shut down, um, all of a sudden the needs, new needs emerged in that um, we were, those colleges were right in the middle of their enrollment season. And a lot of them had admitted student days planned where the students were, could come to campus and make their final decisions about which school they wanted to commit to. Um, well, those all got canceled. So in very short order, we were able to pivot and leverage our platform to develop um, virtual online events. So in 10 days, we helped a, a college um, get an admitted student day um, virtual set up for them. And since then, we've been doing orientations, we've been doing open houses, we've been doing a whole variety of events that were, you know, traditionally, traditionally meaning, you know, six months, eight months ago, all held as in-campus events, on-campus events in person. Um, so that's been really interesting. And then we also have a, a product called Visitor, which is a self-guided um, web-based app that um, prospective students can use to tour the, uh, the campus, but it has the voice of the student ambassadors of the school and there's pictures and context so that it seems like, you know, those museum tours where you actually have a guide, which again, all of a sudden the need increased where the traditional campus tours weren't be able to be held the way they were, either restricted in terms of no access to campus or, you know, limited um, numbers of 
people together as a group. So um, both of those became very interesting. And then quite honestly, the number of kids like my son, for example, who this next class is unable to visit schools. So their entire impressions and decisions about which colleges are going to apply to are based solely on their virtual experiences and their connections on their online site. And so while a lot of our solutions, our engagement solutions were nice to haves, in a very short amount of time, it became a must have for that college. So you can only imagine um, the interest has definitely spiked and um, is definitely peaking. We've closed over 107 deals um, this year with the majority of them coming um, after March. And we are just absolutely thrilled that we're in the position to help um, support these schools as they really try to put their best foot forward on their websites. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. Like on one hand, I'm not surprised that there's been so much demand. Like it's just like, cause yeah, like you said, it's really just like the necessity, you know, kind of being the mother of, I mean, it's obviously not like invention, but you know, it sort of applies here. Yeah. Just like, it's like, okay, well we need to do this. How can we do it in, you know, digital spaces and stuff. And I think, um, because you, you know, I mean, you already kind of talked about, um, you know, sort of what I wanted to get to next of like how the current climate is changing the work that you and your team does, and you know, yeah, just from what you're saying of you know these uh, virtual uh, admitted student days and open houses and tours and everything, like you know, that is so valuable because I think you know there is, I think, an alternate universe out there where it's just like, no, well, I guess we can't do any of these things. Like, you know, some people may, you know, be legacies or like, you know, they have just some kind of shorthand for like the college experience or like, you know, they can talk to uh, family members or, you know, other people in their circles about like what college is like, what's a good one or something, or, you know, they they might be able to navigate this on their own, but like, it is so valuable for so many students and families to be able to have really just like really tangible experiences to know, you know, what kind of experience their student is going to have, like, you know, who are the people that are going to be there to support them and those sort of things. So it's just like, you know, it's so valuable that these things can be done and be done, you know, consistently and well, and, you know, all of that. So I'm so glad that you're, yeah. you're, you're being able to help so many different, you know, institutions, uh, you know, with these sort of efforts. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like we, we're trying to help the students as well, like give them enough of an inside view to feel like, is this a good fit for me, you know, and that's hard to gauge from parents' recommendations or where your cousin went to school and all those, you know, things, which is great for the early part of the process. But as you're trying to really decide where you want to commit and make, you know, home for the next four years, some of those intangibles become really important. Right. Um, well, because I think that's like, I've, I've talked to a lot of people recently and, and, you know, just part of this, you know, digital transformation of higher ed. And there's so much that happens, you know, the, before the student even commits to any institution, but like, you know, that is such an important part of the equation. Cause I think ultimately it is that like, if the student makes the right choice for the right institution for the right program, then they're going to be so much more set up for success, so much more motivated. And like, just, you know, they, they feel really comfortable and confident that they, they found the right place for them, you know, versus, yeah. Cause I think like you're saying, like all this kind of shorthands of like, Oh, well, my cousin's, you know, nephew's brother went here. Like, so that, that, that's like all they're aware of, or just like the kind of like household name brands of higher education, those sort of things. It's like, those are great places, but is it the best place for you? Maybe, I don't know, you know, like, and, and if they're able to like, you know, talk with somebody and like, you know, take advantage of all these, uh, opportunities to, you know, get that firsthand look and actively engage with someone from that institution. 
you know, they're, they're just making better informed choices. So, so yeah, we look at, and in fact, we refined just recently, we refined our vision and I think it really encapsulates what we're trying to do. And so our vision is for every student to find a perfect fit and for every school or institute, higher ed institution to fill every seat. And so that's really what is kind of our guiding principle as we, you know, really kind of evolve and continue to develop our technology platform and the different um, engagement solutions that we offer to our partners. Right. Um, well, because that's even the thing is like, it, you know, helping to better represent these brands, you know, these institutional brands in the digital space, you know, allows any student just to have more awareness where like they just might not have been able to know about them because it's like, okay, we're not willing to like spend money on mailers or we don't have access to those, you know, lists or something, you know, like, so, you know, there's an institution out there that's a perfect fit for me, but I just don't know about it, you know, or I don't, you know, I, I just, right. you know, they miss out on each other, kind of the ships passing in the night kind of thing. So yeah, it is, it's great kind of on both sides. Yeah. Like, you know, helping kind of both sides to get the, the right fit and, you know, and I guess, you know, that makes me think of, because with so much of what's going on, I've kind of talked with people about this lately and just kind of all natures of what, uh, you know, life in 2020 uh, looks like is, you know, a curiosity for me of like how many of these things are actually going to stick around because some of them are like really meaningful, you know, social programs or just like efforts on an institution that, you know, puts them in, uh, you know, these digital spaces and stuff. So, um you know, this could even, I mean, just be for your team or, and or the work that you do, you know, are there positive changes that you've seen in the work uh, that's occurring that you hope stick around? So, yeah, like I mentioned, um, I think, you know, higher ed was very comfortable in what they had been doing and the things that have been working with that for them traditionally, you know, like the direct mail pieces, um, like the traditional college fairs and high school visits, which is now as we kind of get into the next recruitment cycle, all of those things have been limited as well. So they're not able to meet face to face with students, um, you know, in, in their high schools or at their national collegiate fairs. So it has really disrupted you know, their traditional recruiting and enrollment practices, and they're trying to figure out how to replace them. And I know a lot of them are trying to do Zoom meetings, but, um, you know, you think about these poor kids who are learning online and they're on Zoom all day. And then, the, you know, the last thing on earth they want to do at the end of the day is go into another Zoom meeting. So it really is, um, you know, kind of an opportunity to tr truly reinvent and rethink um, how we approach these things differently. And I think that's been really exciting. But going back to what I was mentioning about the virtual events, what was really interesting is these colleges are seeing a significant increase in participation. So one of them had a 35% increase in participation for their virtual event. And what they quickly learned was that um, the in-person events were um, cutting out a big group of students that either were unable to attend for scheduling conflicts or for financial reasons or for whatever reason they weren't able to attend in person, um, but they are getting online um, and doing the virtual event. So they have um, committed and understood that in order to fill that gap, even when they go back to in-person events, the virtual event will always be an ongoing component. Um, so just thinking again differently that you're going to reach other people and more people and maybe a diverse group of people um, by not limiting yourself to, you know, the in-person traditional event. So that's been really interesting to see. And I hope those kinds of things continue um, and that we continue to work with the colleges to think differently and say, is there a better way to do this? Um, 
we just did an orientation event um, for another school. It was a law school, and they aren't. Um, as a result, they weren't didn't have to print any materials. Um, and so she said, and she was like, I'm really excited because not only am I saving trees on our planet, but I'm saving a lot of money too. So again, sustainability comes into the play in the forefront, which is something that, you know, we're all trying to kind of chip away at and do our part. And, um, you know, if we can do more of the virtual experiences and rely less heavily on some of the paper or in person or some of the costly kinds of tra um, traditional practices, then that's really exciting as well. So I'm really, really interested to see how we can continue to push the envelope, both with our partners and also with us ourselves independently, really building up and innovating um, on what we've already built as a foundation. Well, what it makes me think of, yeah, because I think, yeah, we're increasingly going to be in this sort of like, you know, world where, yeah, there's just different modalities of the same offering where, you know, yeah, you'll have one that's on campus, you'll have uh, one that's uh, online for like, you know, these admitted student days and stuff like that. So, um, and I think it, it, cause I think, you know, people always worry about with these things where it's like, oh, well, you know, we've just start doing all these like online webinars. Then it's like, you know, you're replacing people's work or like, we're never going to do anything in person anymore. Um, which, you know, again, I think there's value in both, uh, like you're saying to kind of broaden the access for sure. And then like for the people that can come in person, if they want to, then, you know, they're absolutely able to, but I think, you know, the other worry is like, you know, that you're kind of losing out on the like high touch aspect of, you know, a lot of this work. But I think, you know, uh, I don't know if you can have any anecdotes about this, but, um, you know, it, I think it can be uh, done really well and still kind of give sometimes like tangible little like welcome packages or something, you know, when students like, you know, commit and uh, different things like that. But um, I think, yeah, when you're, you're when you're doing it well, I think it, it feels just as kind of high touch, even though you're using different technology platforms. Um you know, when you're doing this work. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's been very encouraging um, to see kind of, I, I hate the fact that COVID has forced us into this mm -hmm. situation, um, but it's been very encouraging to see how, um, you know, the higher ed institutions are starting to adapt and embrace some of this technology. And then it's leading to that innovation, which I think, you know, in hindsight was long overdue, but we're definitely um, stepping up in terms of um, gaining some momentum there. Yeah. And the other thing, just, I mean, I'm also like a sustainability nerd because like you mentioned, like, you know, not having to print all this stuff or whatever, um, obviously that's like a huge benefit. And I don't know if people have really like, if they have, they maybe haven't, you know, they should be like broadcasting it from the, you know, rooftops. But because, um, yeah, I think there's a huge like sustainability impact for you know, these digital engagement efforts. Cause I'm also thinking about like how many people did not have to drive all over the place. Like how many parking lots don't have to be built, you know, like just like there Absolutely. are tangible, you know, uh, sustainable impacts and certainly, you know, budgetary ones as well as like, you know, the, the cost benefit of like, Oh, we got this license or like a partnership, you know, to like develop digital engagement efforts. And like, how much does that cost? And if you get like, you know, X amount of more students, like it pays for itself. And like, in you know, you can do that many more cool. virtual events or stuff, you know, something like that. So, I mean, it's just such interesting stuff to think about. Cause I think, you know, I've sometimes been like challenged with this where, you know, my logical brain is always trying to think of like just the cost benefit analysis and, you know, return on investments and all that. But it's like kind of speaking, it, well, I guess it's also like, it can speak to that and also, 
just the values based, like you're talking about, like the mission, you know, that it's just like, well, this is just the right thing to do. Like we should be helping these yeah. institutions to reach as many students as possible so that students can make the best informed decision. Like, let's just do it for that. And then it's like, it's kind of just like yeah. a coding on top. If, you know, yeah, you know, we're getting a return on this investment and more students and they're happier. That, that's great. Like, you know, we want to measure yeah. those things as well. But um, that's just always because I get my... I think that is somebody like I talked to from the podcast several weeks ago, like caught me and uh, I was just like, yep, that's a very good point. Cause like, I always think about dollars and cents, but it's sometimes a little bit more than that. Well, and you know, you bring up a really good point about ROI. And I think one of the other advantages that we offer um, is in you know, traditional marketing with like the direct mail pieces and, you know, some of those things, it's really hard to measure the return because um, you know, it's kind of offline engagement. Whereas on digital, we have full analytics, real-time access to 24-7. You can see who's coming in, who's engaging, how much of the content have they consumed. Um, you know, we can track all the um, conversions to whatever the click-through actions are. Um, so it's, you know, it really gives you a lot of analytics and insights into, um, you know, that, that potential that prospective student and what their interests are and then tracking them throughout the funnel, you know, when they're at the top of the funnel, when they're simply just interested in the school to getting them to actually imply and then to actually enroll. And we really are focused on making sure that we've got digital solutions and then connected analytics through throughout the funnel to help them become smarter um, marketers, if you will. Yeah. Cause it's even just simpler things like, Oh, well, like, yeah, I mean, if somebody attends an event, you know, they're this much more likely to, you know, uh, deposit or, you know, just persist in those sort of things. Yeah. Or like, you know, we did an event on financial aid and, you know, those students felt way more satisfied with just like their onboarding or something. I mean, yeah, it's just like you were able to get those insights or, you know, like this thing was far more impactful than this thing that we did, you know? Um, which yeah, super, super helpful. But, yeah. um, so, you know, this one, a very broad question. So take it as you will. But, you know, and, you know, you've had this uh, long career, you know, like you said, in experiencing just like the advent of the Internet and how it's, you know, impacting work streams <laughs> and everything. So I'm just curious with that kind of like even like longitudinal view, you know, combined with just kind of having to like navigate the short term, you know, what advice would you give to other higher ed professionals who are, you know, working to navigate all of this, like, you know, complex and constantly changing uh, climate? Um, yeah, just anything that comes to mind is just kind of helpful advice. Absolutely. In fact, um, you know, it's, it, it, I'm taking it really high level for a moment. Um, I was listening to a presentation just about kind of the aftermath of COVID and what this is going to do to our, not only just our economy and society, but then how do we translate that into actually how we manage our businesses. And one of the very thought-provoking comments was that uh, during times of challenge or disruption, um, that's where innovation happens and where some really, you know, creative inventions or, you know, solutions evolve. And one of the thing, the comments that was made was that unfortunately right now um, we are all working very, very, very hard to find new ways of doing what we used to do. And instead we need to kind of think differently and saying, what's a better way of doing the things we did? And I think that's the encouraging line that I would kind of share with our partners and potential customers is instead of working hard to do an in-person visit or a campus tour or, you know, all the things we used to do 
to attract students and let them see our campuses. I would invite everybody to work with us to think differently in terms of how do we reach this next generation of kids and how do we engage with them where they are. And where they are is they're on their digital devices, they're on their phones, they're on their computers, they're on your laptops. I mean, I, more often than not, if I see my son, he's got two or three screens in front of him, <laughs> whether it's the TV, the laptop or his phone or something, you know, that's how they're engaging with the world. That's the world that they live in. So given that, how can we reach our engagement application and enrollment goals differently and rethink all of those traditional processes and try to make them better. Such good advice. Cause I think that is where my brain kind of goes right now is like, I think when it, especially when it's just the institutions who are just like, I don't know, like just pushing so hard against all friction to, yeah, like do things in person, but with like plexiglass everywhere or whatever. And it's just like, well, I mean, like you could invest that into long-term investments into like, you know, digital education or something, you know, like versus like, what are you going to do with that plexiglass after all this is over? Like there's, it's, you know, and I get frustrated in that idea of, of like, how can we do this better or like what, yeah, it doesn't just feel like you're trying to just like do what you did before, but different. I think that's such a good line. And, uh, Hopefully that uh, resonates with folks as well. Yeah, and I know it's harder. I mean, it's easy to try to replicate to where you've been versus come up with an unknown, but it would be so much better for both sides, right? And in achieving that vision, I think, you know, if we can kind of really push the envelope and push our thinking and, um, you know, and, and we're, we're really open to collaborating with our partners and, um, you know, really thinking through innovative ways, like for orientations, you know, orientation could be really boring, but it's one of those necessary evils. So, you know, we're trying, we're brainstorming and thinking of ways, like how can we use gamification to make it more interesting and really kind of get the kids engaged in it and liking the experience versus it feeling like this, you know, this necessity that you just kind of have to live through. So again, with this bent towards having a, you know, innovation mindset, it, you know, it's unlimited where we can go with this. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious then, I guess, just, you know, with the, the great insights that you're sharing and just like how you're viewing uh, this work, anything that you are reading, watching and or listening to that you want to recommend that's been helping you to kind of get through this moment or help inspire you, motivate you, anything that comes to mind? So, I mean, that's a, a great question for these days and times. I mean, I'll admit I'm a big news junkie. Obviously, I started in that, but um, I'm having a really hard hard time um, with the current environment, um, and I've it create it just creates so much anxiety for me. So I've had since Labor Day weekend, I have turned it all off. I've had to stop, um, but it has given me a time to take a break and really, you know, dig into some great books. And so I've been focusing mostly on. Um, nonfiction, but I read The Vanishing ha um, Half, um, The Water Dancer. I mean, there's some great literature that really helps put some perspective, even on the social justice um, movement and, you know, shines a light on some of those issues in a way that's, you know, non-threatening, but really helps you understand some of the underlying threads of what's been going on. So I've been having to take like a little media break mm -hmm. just because it's just so much right now, but um, still trying to take the time to really understand some of the deeper rooted issues um, that are, you know, coming to the forefront right now. And obviously, all of that plays such a large part on campuses across the um, across the nation as well, um, as students try to, you know, have a voice and try to make some change. And it's been, you know, hopefully, 
less violence and more pro- productive results will come of it. Well, and I think it's helpful to like, yeah, sometimes like, you know, um, I don't know, like you kind of come to it in a different way versus like, you're, you know, like the news is just like, you know, firsthand, like this is happening right now versus like, tell me a story of like, how did we get here? Or like someone's, you know, yeah. personal journey or, you know, those sort of things. So I think that is like an interesting way to kind of um, really still honor uh, what people are going through and what people are working towards and those sort of things. So, um, yeah, we'll yeah, link out to those books for sure. Um, but uh yeah, we will end, you know, we always like to end the shows on an optimistic note. So we'll kind of contextualize this, you know, in the world of college enrollment, um, just what are you looking forward to, you know, just to kind of wrap everything up and bring everything together. You know, what are you looking forward to in the world of college enrollment? Um, on a personal front, I'm looking forward to in a couple of months, my kids having gone mm-hmm. through the admissions mm-hmm. process and finding their perfect fit, um, both from, from a law school standpoint and my son's um, undergraduate standpoint. So we'll be living this for the next um, six months at least for sure. But, you know, on a higher level for me, again, I am truly excited about the opportunities that lie ahead. I think, um, you know, higher ed was one of the industries that hadn't gone through a lot of disruption. Um, I hate that it's been forced this way, but I think it's it's going to be better for everyone. Um, I look forward to a day where higher ed is more accessible and affordable to a larger group of students. And um, I really do think through digital, you know, digital extensions and thinking differently about, um, you know, the traditional uh, four-year college process that we will all end up in a much better place um, with much better offerings for a larger number of students. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just the eternal optimist. And I think we like, it's like imperative that we feel that way of just like, it's awful. And I mean, we have all have to accept that it was awful kind of the, the, uh, sort of the catalyst for this, but like being optimistic of like, we can do better kind of these like raw truths that this is laying bare of like, you know, uh, yeah, like the disruptions to higher ed of just like, wow, I mean, yeah, we were kind of overly reliant on all these things that required everybody to be in person or like handing things to each other and mailing that, you know, like, where it's just like, wow, okay, well, you know, some like tough love here, but I guess we got to like start doing things differently now. And like you said, kind of long overdue, but, you know, believing that like the the outcome, the end goal here uh, is really going to work better for everybody and, you know, just be a really positive place and, um, you know, just try to work towards that. So I mean, one just a really simple but substantial change was, you know, with so many colleges going um, fully online in the fall, we know a lot of students who opted to take, you know, take a gap year and the fulfilling and engaging experiences that they're having um, without rushing into just a college decision, which was kind of like, here, that's just what you do versus really being thoughtful about what you really want to do is um, just kind of like the tip of the iceberg of what the potential could be. Yeah. Well, so much good stuff to think about and uh, such uh, great insights. I appreciate you so much for uh, jumping on and spending some time on the show and sharing all that you did. Um, and uh, yeah, just we'll have ways to connect with the stuff that you mentioned and uh, the work that you're doing uh, in the show notes. But yeah, just thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. It's been wonderful. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.